clock at five. Pass is intercepted at the goal line by Malcolm Butler. Unreal. Rainbows high and deep into the end zone. And it is caught. Caught, caught for a touchdown. A leaping touchdown. Here he goes. He'll be chased and he is caught. 97 yards. Does he get both feet in right here at the end, Jim? What are they going to roll it? He caught it? Touchdown! He did what? He did what? He runs to the 50. He runs to the 40. The guy is drunk, but there he goes. We are seeing another spectacular effort by Marino, who fires. Touchdown! Oh, that's loose. Allen steps up. Jumps over the defenders to pick up the first. There's a prayer. Stop it! Oh, please! <laughs> what a catch! That's insane! That's insane! The game's final play is a Wilson lock to the end zone, which is fought for by Tate with Jennings simultaneous. Who has it? Who do they give it to? Oh, I thought you were, uh, that's what you were queuing up there. Oh, no, we, we didn't do it. Why not? But I thought you were going to play from two weeks ago. Oh, Regardless, mine no, was wrong. Yeah. Well, I, you know, you just said that now, and, like, I cannot remember what mine was. What was yours? I said, I don't remember the exact numbers, oh, I do but it had to do with Jarvis Landry. I said he was going to catch, like, 10-plus for over 100 and a touchdown. It was, like, all going to be, like, the highest things of his of, of his, his year, not oh, his career, okay. but of his say. year. Like he hadn't had more than like eight targets okay. and like six receptions or something like that. Uh, but he didn't. I thought the OBJ thing was going to be a really big deal, but I think I was underestimating Landry's own injury. So, so this was going into week eight, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So mine. Let me look at this really quick. I think it was. Yeah, I'm pretty sure mine was. That Drew Locke was going to have no turnovers in a victory. And they did beat the Chargers, but he did have an interception. Ugh, so What a dumb game. <laughs> Were you only mad at that because of pass picks? Was that the only reason? Uh, yeah, probably. <laughs> it was cool, though. Um, we've had a lot of really great games the last two weeks. We have. You know, the NFL's fun. That's why we're here talking about it. Welcome to Simultaneous Catch. My name is Adam Jeffrey Rossi. And my name is Adam Jeffrey Rossi. Oh, wait, no. I'm Josh Lapping. And we're here for uh, week 10 of the NFL. We had our bye week uh, mm-hmm. during week 9, so we were off for the week. But we are back now with you guys, ready to uh, get to the double-digit weeks of the NFL. Can you was... believe it's already that time of the year? Yeah. It was an exciting Sunday. Um, obviously, I was pumped from the Bills win, but then... Afternoon games were awesome. Like the afternoon games were very, very three good. Three of them, all of them came down to the to like the last possession in all three games. It was pretty awesome, and obviously we had the Tua incredible performance against Kyler Murray, who also had a sensational day. Uh, then we had the controversial Chargers touchdown, not touchdown against the Raiders. It was it was pretty uh, it was pretty awesome. And then of course the surprise Garrett Gilbert play against the Pittsburgh Steelers so 
I mean, that's I picked that one. No, I'm just kidding. I didn't do that. <laughs> we do. Uh, I have teased this to a couple of people, but we, we eventually will have a special guest on to talk about the Pittsburgh Steelers. Maybe. Um, what do you mean maybe? Hopefully. <laughs> we, we eventually will. We, we do have we a, teased it to? I mean, I've told two people that we were going to have this person on the show. That's what I mean. I've teased it. <laughs> and they listen to every episode, so they know what I'm uh, talking about. Ridiculous. Regardless, uh, we're hopefully going to get a special guest on to talk about the Steelers, who have just been great. But a lot of people are questioning them coming off this game. So so we'll see. But let's get into Rant Rave Recall right away. Because I I, I'm calling it a mini rant just because it's not going to be very long. Oh, But it's it makes me so angry. Because I was not fully on your side with this. I, I Like like you, you – was it this year you, rant, you ranted about this this year? I did. So you ranted about it earlier in the year about instant replay and about – going in and that it's a helpful tool but that now they're going in and they're looking at it, it's like oh it moved a fraction of an inch and that's incomplete or you know he was just down we don't know but we're not going to give him the touchdown regardless um i'm so annoyed that we're we're looking at two plays specifically but this happened a couple times in the last couple of weeks in the game against the Colts and the Ravens, Marcus Peters had a like a, a game-changing interception. Like the Colts were kind of pushing around the Ravens, and the Ravens couldn't find anything, and they were driving down the field. And Philip Rivers threw what seemed to be a pick. And when you looked at it, he comes down to the ground, and the ball clearly just comes out. Right? He's it's he's going to the ground, and, and it clearly pops out. And they and they called it incomplete on the field, and then they challenged it, and it was overturned to be a quote-unquote interception. Now. Go to the afternoon games where Justin Herbert throws a touchdown in the right corner of the end zone to his tight end, who seems to very clearly catch the ball, and then as he's getting up, it comes out. They look back, and they overturn it. No touchdown. And I just don't see how those are so different that they can be overturned that much. And, and what's I think what's more troubling to me and what makes me more ranty is that they were looked at and overturned. It wasn't that, oh, let's just stick with the call to the field because it's too close. Because that's one thing. And we've talked about that a lot where if you call it on the field and it's just too close, you stick with what your initial instinct was. And I, I respect that and I get that. But these were calls that were changed. That Like LA had the touchdown, won the game, it was over, they, whatever. And then they looked at it and they're like, mm, it does kind of come out. No touchdown. Oakland, or Oakland, sorry. Las Vegas wins. And then the same thing with the Peters interception, non-interception. It was called incomplete right on the field because the ref was standing right there, saw it come out, and then John Harbaugh threw the challenge flag and it was overturned. I just, I don't understand what we're doing here. Well, I don't understand how we can look at two plays that seem to be, seem to be different, but somehow they're looking, it's so confusing to me because if I'm looking at it, the Peters play is clearly not an interception to me, and the other one was clearly a touchdown to me, and one I was right, and I'm wrong on both of them apparently. And I just I, – I don't get what we're doing anymore because there was a while where we went through this period of the whole Dez catch thing and then the big Calvin Johnson catch for the Lions where he went down to the ground and he clearly caught it, but he was just like – it was on the ground when he was getting up. Like we went through this whole phase of the NFL where it's like, what the heck is a catch? And then that one-off season a couple of years back, they went in and they said, we're, you know, we're going to have a committee to find what a catch is and that's that. And so as it stands right now, I believe it's two feet inbounds and a football move. I believe that's the rule now. And 
you could argue that you could argue neither of those players did it. You could also argue, like I said, that Peters didn't do it, but the tight end for the Chargers did because the football move is considered bringing it into your body or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, there's so many ways you can interpret this. And I just, like, if you're going to call those two things both not catches, then call them both not catches because they fall into the same category to me. But, like, where's the consistency? That's that's what I'm ranting about. I don't understand. I just – it doesn't make sense to me. I, I I can ramble on and on and say the same thing over and over again. <laughs> but but I just – what are we doing here? Yeah, I, I it, it's very hard. I, I remember the, the game that I uh, ranted about that after was mm-hmm. the first Cincinnati-Cleveland game where it appeared that – uh, Giovanni Bernard broke the plane, and then mm-hmm. I can't remember the exact, but I remember it was called a touchdown, and they're like, oh, wait, no, it wasn't. Yeah, it was It and was a Thursday night game against the Browns. There are yeah. so many elements that are becoming difficult to, I guess I'll say officiate with with the field of play, and that's where like I feel like it's getting a little bit difficult, either okay. whether yeah. it's going to be the white line for the end zone or the sidelines. And that is something that really kind of bothers me. You see it more with the sidelines than you do with, mm-hmm. with the white line and, and touchdowns, but obviously we see plays all the time where there's a running back at the one and a defense makes a good stuff, and they're like, well, is it crossing the white line? We don't know. It may be, and, like, the players are all saying touchdown, mm-hmm. and, like, the roughs run in and, like, look for three minutes like they're not moving the players aren't moving regardless like that stuff but the thing that bothers me especially and i said this with you what bothers me about the non-touchdown call is i i just don't like where it was that the ball came the ball moved i don't want to say it came out because it didn't come out he, he had say, I the think ball he still came up he had it. the ball but it came out air quotes on that after he left the field of play because it was very close to out of play. Like he had it he had inbounds. It, he inbounds they and rolled he out. fell out of bounds. Yeah. So I feel like when you come down, you have your feet inbounds, that should be ruled a touchdown because it's so similar. And I mean, it's so similar to plays that you're going to be right on the sideline. Right. You think about it from a defensive standpoint, a play once a wide receiver leaves the sideline or the field of play, the play is over, right? So why is it different for an offensive player where the ball comes, they catch the ball, the they have their feet, it go. comes out, and you fall down outside of bounds and the ball moves and that's it's a, ruled incomplete. That's I feel an incredible like, point. That's an incredible point. I feel like when the what happens in the field of play needs to be what is ruled as what happens in the play. Yeah, and, you know, we're looking at this you know, big picture you know, it's a rookie quarterback. The Chargers are now two and six. But I mean, the Chargers have now lost seven games by one possession. This, Yikes! Like, or, or sorry, the, wait, yeah, that's right. Yeah, they have had. Sorry, <laughs> sorry, sorry, sorry. Not lost. They have lost six one possession games, but they've played in seven. Right, they did so, beat the Bengals because they beat the Bengals. But so, like, they are in close games every single, every single time they play. And when it comes down to this. And that's how you're going to lose when you've struggled to win those games. That's 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 just crushing. It's crushing for a team that is rallying behind a really talented young rookie quarterback uh, and a coach that some people are are questioning. Like you like you questioned him on the on our last show. I think I don't know if it was on the show or not, but I mean th- th- this is something that could send a team spiraling. And I know that they're two and six now, so they're probably out of it. 
but you know, even though there is a seventh seed, and you never know what could happen. But regardless, like that, that's that's just that's season flipping because you look at it, they can go three and five. There's a couple of three and five teams in the AFC right now that only puts you two games, two and a half games out of that seventh spot. Like you're still in that fight, and I just, it's just heartbreaking when a team puts everything on the line. It was a great football game. It was back and forth. Justin Herbert, the rookie, leads them all the way down, and it just. It, it, it just doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, it is. I mean, the it refs was a are going to step in and do that. It was a great ending, regardless. I mean, obviously heartbreaking for one fan base, a joyous celebration for mm-hmm. another. But it it is sucky that it came down to that because when we watched that and we saw him come down, both feet in bounds, we're like, oh my gosh, like the Chargers did it, right. and then it's like, oh wait, yeah. And like and, I said, and I remember because we made the joke because I had that game in Pal's picks, right? And you were like, you pulled off the undefeated. I was like, just wait. I know it's. it's and you're like, no. And then you know. Hey, just... hey, hey, listen. If if there's one thing to be said, it's that you could enjoy watching a Chargers football game because you know it's gonna be close. I guess so. <laughs> they, I mean, they now they they don't, I don't know. they don't lead the league in one position games because technically the Bears now lead it with eight because it was technically a one position game against the Titans, even though. It really wasn't. But, uh, yeah. So. Oh, man. All right. Well, I am going to be a bit of a homer here, and I'm going to rave about Brian Flores, Tua Tungavailoa, and the Miami Dolphins. Absolutely deserved. So, uh, the Dolphins started 2019 as a 0-7 historically bad defensive team. They've gone 10-7 since. We all know the famous... Week 17, they knocked off New England in Foxborough game to make New England not have the first round bye and everything. We know the story about pulling Fitzpatrick after he won two in a row and wasn't playing that bad and him coming out and saying his feelings were hurt and throwing in a, a rookie in Tua. And we know Tua coming in against the Rams and looking like a, a football player on extreme training wheels, not having to do much. But I just have to tip my cap to this team. I remember... Last year, you asking me if the Miami Dolphins weren't going to win a game, and I I don't want to say I pounded my fist because I didn't, but I've always just been very confident in what they were doing with Flores. I talked about it numerous times about his uh, fifth-year contract year and, and that being uh, rare for, for rookie coaches and whatnot, but this is just a team I really believe in. I believe that after seeing this game against Arizona – they were down by seven. They needed to drive fifty or ninety-three yards. That is a drive that I haven't seen too often from the Miami Dolphins, especially in the last handful of years. From a lot of teams and a lot from of from a lot of teams in, in in that situation. Um, Your second career start, and he just looked real sharp. And I feel like the training wheels have officially come off. There was a lot of drama last week after they went against the Rams of whether or not Flores was auditioning Tua because they have their higher round picks you asked me what my thoughts were on that and obviously we didn't get to talk about it on the show but I said yeah they're auditioning him to see what they have but unless he's like really historically bad it's not like they're going to move on from him it's an audition to see what they have mm-hmm. but they're not going to be like well this isn't our guy mm-hmm. and uh but I do have to say if this was an audition you know he he nailed the leading role he got that big ticket bill off this one game we're going to see mistakes eventually Tua is going to throw that first career interception he's mm-hmm. going to get sacked something's going to bad things are going to happen as they do with every NFL player he's not going to be this 
standout, perfect rookie. But so far what I've seen, I, I'm really encouraged. I'm even more encouraged after this Arizona Cardinals game. And and you know I, I said it to you after the game on, on Sunday. I'm you, you make fun of us or you like to poke poke at us because I'm the more stoic football watcher where you you get more excited but I was up on my feet I it wasn't was, I wasn't hopping around but I, I cool. don't I don't often pace during a football game but it was just it was the most excited that I've been as a Dolphins fan in in at least the last five years I mean it was really cool to watch it like I said and, and we we were just having fun experiencing it you know what I mean like and that's what that's what football's about. I, I you know what I mean. Like, there's so many things to it, and we have so many reasons why we like it. Right. There's so many things to uh, it, but I <laughs> I just ruined it for you, didn't I? Um, no, I, I have my own joke to say. So. Oh, do you go ahead? <laughs> well, I'll, I'll say it at the end of this. <laughs> no, I just second, wanted to so. say. I just wanted to say that. It, like, I love that. Not only reporting out the Tua 90 yard drive because, like, oh my god, it was awesome. I mean, it was perfect. It had everything. Like, he was doing timing passes. He was rolling out of the pocket and just like darts and obviously he had the big avoid on third down and made a couple guys miss first down it was it was it was Alabama Tua again and I just like like two quick stats about before they went into this game because Kyler Murray had like a pretty great day oh he absolutely Um, did but like going into the game the Dolphins defense is number one in points per game allowed they were also number two in third down percentage and number four in opponent passer rating uh so like this defense is very very good and you and and I want to point that out because we talked about last year, it was a historically bad defense halfway through the season, and now it's one of the best in the league. So it's just, you're right. Like, Brian Forrest, to me, has got to be near the top of the list for me as coach of the year. I, I don't really see somebody doing anything more impressive. Yeah, I agree. We're going to talk about those things later on. Uh, but, yeah, for now, and we'll, we'll have to see. We have a, a battle of, of the fifth overall and the sixth overall pick this week. I'm yeah. very excited, but for now, Tua is Tua and O. So <laughs> there you go. Okay. So I got to I got to make my joke too. So don't no, worry. that's awesome. I I totally subscribe to uh, that take. You know, I I really wasn't trying to pigeonhole a joke in there. It really kind of just came out of my. <laughs> Did you just do it like again though, like on accident? Yes. Wait. Because you were like, I totally subscribe to. Uh, that. That's what I'm saying is I didn't mean to do that oh, okay. again. <laughs> I didn't know. If, like, I picked up on it. Anyway. All right. So obviously we had our bye week last week, but uh, the trade deadline for the NFL has come and gone. It was not overly exciting. I I I, have, I think we should just blame our bye week being that there was no big things to talk about because I feel like if there would have been blockbuster trades, it would have been like, we need to record. Very fair. But there really was fair. nothing. It was so weird. Yeah, no, it was. There were there were some trades. There were a couple uh, DeAndre moves. Washington went to Miami. Isaiah Ford got shipped uh, in the division to the New England Patriots. Desmond King of the Chargers went to the Titans. And made a huge play last week. Uh, did he? I didn't. Yeah, he had a was... return for a touchdown oh, okay. on a fumble recovery. Cool. Good for him. Uh, a linebacker swap. Kwan Alexander went to New Orleans for Kiko Alonso. I thought that one was pretty weird. Kiko Alonso. Avery Williamson, probably the biggest winner of this trade yeah, deadline, right. going from the then, what were they, 0-7 at that point, Jets, to yeah. the undefeated Pittsburgh Steelers, yep. still that way. So could be yeah. on a winless team and now on an undefeated team. That is pretty cool. More so than that, though, what I found very interesting, and you can tack on anything that you, you know about any of those players or any ones that I didn't mention, those were the ones that 
I guess, in a lackluster pool. Like those were the ones that jumped off the page. Right. But there were a lot of players that wanted traded yeah. that didn't get traded. Obviously, there was the Will Fuller news that going mm-hmm. on with was Green Bay going to pull the trigger? Did he say he wanted to be traded? Um, I don't know if he wanted to be traded, but he highly anticipated it. Okay. Um, okay. During uh, right, right around 2 o'clock Eastern time, which is two hours before the trade deadline, he posted uh, or he tweeted, I should say, uh, a gif of like, like a kid like tapping his fingers like on the amazing like come on are we gonna get this done ryan kerrigan uh did want to be traded he from did, washington yes. get, didn't get moved jj watt didn't come out and say he wanted traded but he has expressed he's not interested in being part of a rebuilding team so we'll have to see what happens this offseason with jj watt that one's that one's an intriguing one to dig into because he he you're right he never said he wanted to be traded he was like i'm not interested in a rebuild though which i i get you respect that yeah um and that was actually something that that was actually one of the uh, tidbit informations I have. Did you like? Do you know JJ Watt uh, is now on the list as like the fourth fastest to 100 career sacks? That's awesome. Uh, it's just like crazy because it feels like he's been in the league for forever, but it only, he's only played 120. I only 120 games, but he's played 120 games, and that's the fourth fastest. Uh, to, it to is that, hard to think total. about that 120 games because he's also been injured. He really has been in the league longer than that, but yes. he is still pretty young. He's in his early 30s. Early 30s, yeah. so he's still got some tank or some gas in the tank. Guys, so. guys above him: Bruce Smith, uh, Demarcus Ware. It took him 113 games, and then the number one is Reggie White. It only took him 96 games to reach 100 sacks. Dang. Uh, but yeah, so I like, and I respect him for saying that. But I like the way he said it because I don't see. The Texans as a full rebuild team next year. I really don't. I like. I think that they get a really good coach in there to come in and grab a couple of free agents. Obviously, they don't have a lot of draft picks, but like, I really don't see the Texans as like a we need to blow this up. I mean, maybe I'm wrong, but when you have your quarterback and you've got a couple of good tackles, you've got some good offensive weapons, uh, and then you just need some help on the defense and maybe you know just some better scheming for a guy like Deshaun Watson, you could turn that around real quick. So I guess it really depends on, like, how you label a rebuild in the NFL. It doesn't necessarily mean, like, the Dolphins destroyed it to rebuild Yeah, they rebuild. So, but they're going to, odds are, Romeo Cornell's not going to be their head coach anymore. So whoever comes in probably isn't going to retain him. So they're going to be learning a new scheme, which is a Mm -hmm. rebuild thing. Their defense is aging. We're talking about J.J. Watt. Mm -hmm. He's not exactly old, but they don't have a lot of youthful talent on that defensive side. So you're going to be looking at a lot of new guys, and you don't necessarily have the high draft capital right now. Right, and that is what's hurting to, them. <laughs> to do something like that. So I agree. It's not like they are shipping everybody out. It's not a Miami this year or supposed Jacksonville at the beginning of the year where they were tr- shipping everyone out. So mm-hmm. it is, it's not like that. But I do think this is the beginning of a mini rebuild in Houston. I, yeah, I think that – I think I would say reload more than rebuild. Okay. Because – I, like I said, re, rebuild has the connotation of stripping down, and like Deshaun's not going anywhere. And if they didn't trade Fuller, I don't think they're trading Fuller. I think you know what I mean. Like, well, like, this is his last year, so I'll, I'll be curious to see re-sign. if he resigns. But regardless, like I just like I see rebuild as what Jacksonville has been. You know what I mean? What Miami did, like you said, and even to some extent what Buffalo did. Uh, obviously, we. You know, we backed into a playoff spot our first year of Sean McDermott. But, like, we had stripped everything away, traded big names off, like Sammy Watkins and let Robert Woods and Marquise Goodwin, who's his smaller name, but still, like, key players to our offense. Like, we yeah. let a bunch of people walk and go and traded them away. 
to get our quarterback and rebuild. Like those are things that I see as like rebuilding. But I I, I see Houston as like I said, reload, like you get an Eric Bieniemy or somebody like that, and he comes in and just takes over, and then you're in con- – I want to say in contention right away, but this is a team that was up 24 nothing, you know, against the eventual Super Bowl champions in the play- divisional round of the playoffs last year. They're obviously, like, not that far away from being a great team. So – All right, all right. Could be wrong, but – but yeah, no, I, so. I I feel like that's fair. It's fair. I think it all depends on on how you use that definition. I like that reload versus rebuild thing. Uh, last guy of note, uh, former first round defensive end, Tack McKinley wanted a trade. Uh, you were talking about a tweet that he tweeted it out. Was so funny. He has since <laughs> been waived by. Well, actually, I, I feel like Atlanta said they waived him, but it hasn't been, like, official yet. I haven't seen anything, but I So really uh, I don't believe he will be in Atlanta too much longer. But that's a really – that one – not that I've, like, followed Atlanta, like, super closely, but they always confuse me because they have, like, the players that I really, like, like a lot, like Tag McKinley or – wasn't there just another um, – yeah, he just, like – left he went to uh sorry i'm blanking okay. to tennessee and like got waved by them Vic beasley yeah like they get all these players i'm like these are really good defensive <laughs> players and i feel like they're doing well but maybe they're not i don't know i i'm just i just couldn't get over attack was like clowning himself in the tweet he was saying like i can't imagine why you wouldn't trade why you wouldn't trade a guy for a third and a fourth round pick who only has this many sacks in his career and i was like like you're clowning yourself for being bad I actually didn't read it that way. Really? I thought, and I could be wrong, I don't know. Yeah. And I thought it was that teams had offered Atlanta those picks for them, yes. for him. Yes. And Atlanta said no. So, right. how's that? Well, I mean, like, it saying, clown, it's clowning both of them. It's saying that, well, he's, sure. He's when saying, he, Atlanta, when, why wouldn't you accept this for a player who's not producing? And he's admitting that he's not producing. <laughs> I feel like <laughs> I feel like it was more confidence that he's not producing because he's in Atlanta versus okay. His well, and, and, and honestly, I feel like, like it was like you're holding me back. I can get I can get why you think that, but it's still clowning to be like yeah, I've only it, played this many games and I don't have any sacks. It is weird for it's when so he was weird. Like, I only have eighteen and a half yeah, sacks. Like, bro, that, what? That was weird. You're right. But regardless, I uh, yeah, I mean, I I don't uh, I don't blame any of these players for you know wanting traded out of situations that they don't like. I mean, we talk about a guy like Ryan Kerrigan, and <laughs> hysterically enough, the Washington football team is not out of the divisional race. Um, but, like, you know, they're struggling, and he's a pretty solid player, and there are plenty of teams that could use pass rush help. We saw Cliff Averill get over to get sent from Cincinnati to the Seahawks was a big move, and he had a huge game this past weekend. It was Carlos Dunlap. Oh, did I say Cliff Averill? He did. Oh, Carlos Dunlap, sorry. Pardon some me. Throwback players. Yeah, I don't know, man. Uh, so we, we saw, you know, we saw t- there are teams, good teams that need pass rushers. So guys like Tack McKinley and Ryan Kerrigan could really help teams. So I, I don't blame them for wanting out. Yeah, I, I really also, don't. But I just, I don't ever like when guys do that publicly. It's so weird to me. I also feel like, I'm sorry. No, I'm just, I was just saying like, it, it's hard to, it's hard when you make, when you make the comparisons and the analogy to like, if it was, our job versus that because it's obviously just such a different profession. Yeah. But at the same time, I'm just like trying to picture I'm tweeting out, oh, why won't this other company hire me? I'm doing such a terrible job at my job right now. You could hire me for less. Like, I just, I, it's, it's so weird to me that you think that that is 
okay or that that's going to make you more desirable to another team because it's just, it's not. I wouldn't want to sign you if I knew you were going to do that if you were unhappy. So in the example of like Harrigan, I also feel like Dunlap's also very similar to that. It's not that I don't think they were unhappy with their how their team's playing, their poor record, etc. It's that they still want to be guys that their number is the one that's called. And right, right. now, yeah. their coaching staff, Ron Rivera in in Washington, Zach Taylor in Cincinnati, they chose younger players to play over them. So they've slidden down the depth and, chart. And I don't know, and I don't know a lot about Cincinnati's uh, setup, if you will. But I know that Ron Rivera is historically known as a guy who does rotation in the front seven anyway. I mean, that's very much what Buffalo does with Sean McDermott, who learned under Ron Rivera. So that's even part of it. You know what I mean? It's not just, I'm going to go with younger players. It's also like he likes to rotate his players so that you have the most energy from the players. You know, you can optimize your team. Yeah. So like, that's also part of it, but you're right. I mean, it makes sense. I just, I don't, and who am I, right? Like I'm just a schmuck who sits here and talks (laughs) on a, uh, a podcast, but I just, I think, I just don't like when it just it would make more sense if like putting it into layman's terms for if I'm working and I want to go somewhere else like I'm going to go to my boss and be like hey like I'm just I don't think I'm doing my best here I'm not very happy here I'm going to go seek out other employment you know I don't want to make a big deal about it it's fine like I think it would be best for both of us that's one thing it's another thing to like be you need to get rid of me or like oh can you imagine turning down this to get rid of somebody who's this it's just I don't I don't get what goes through your mind to think that that's like a cool thing to do. I will play or helpful. I will play devil's advocate. I don't want to say that word. Advocate. Advocate. Yeah, I'm bad at that word. I feel like and I don't know, I don't know any of these men personally obviously, but right. I do feel like more likely than not they probably do go talk to their coaches, the yeah. upper staff about those sorts of things, and they're like, no, we're not going to move on from you. Okay. And that's probably when they get a little PO'd mm-hmm. and they're like, hey, well, what the heck? I don't know. And it's just another thing that it's interesting to me that, uh, especially the Tack McKinley one, where like, and maybe you'll roll your eyes at this, but Atlanta's not a bad football team. You know what I mean? Like, they're, <laughs> listen, Atlanta's three and six, but they have four losses in one possession games. Like, we talked about that last uh, in the offseason when Mike mentioned the you know the Packers the versus the Seahawks thing. and yeah. the Cowboys like if you flip records type thing it's you know because luck falls it's a fickle thing but like in four losses you, fl- you flip just half of those and all of a sudden they're in the race for the division title you know what I mean so it's just like Atlanta's not bad they just obviously had a I mean I I hesitate to be so strong with this but it seems pretty obvious that their coach was just not good you know what I mean? Sure. Because Raheem Morris comes in and boom, they're a three and one football team right away after starting own was it zero and five, zero and five. Now they're three and one in their last four. So, I mean, they're they're a team that a lot of people probably are worried about playing because they're good. <laughs> I just it's weird to me. Well, it's weird to me. We'll say it now. Um, Adam last week proclaimed that Atlanta was going to win, what, five straight? Five straight, I did. So they, they are one. one in, so four to go. That was so. my – well, that, I mean, that's kind of what part of our next segment might be. We might do some bold predictions for the second half of the season. But I do think they're going to win. They won one, so they'll win the next four, and it'll be five straight total. Okay. I just – I think they're a good team that was snake bitten in four straight losses that were by one possession, and the coaching was bad at the end of it. And even we saw last this past week against Denver – 
who is a better football team than people, you know, may talk about. We talked about that, you know, on our last most recent episode two weeks ago. You know, even they shut down a comeback attempt by them at the end. So we saw them able to to close out a game. <laughs> Started sweating there for it was, a second. It was funny because I made a I made the joke to you. I was like, "Do you think Raheem calls a timeout right here and says, guys, get it together?'" <laughs> so, do you want to go on to our award discussion or get into that bold prediction right now? No, oh, we can get we can get into the uh, uh, awards. All right, so we are going to talk our Week 10 mid-season NFL awards. This is something we periodically do, so we will be talking about the general overall awards, the MVP, which is something we predicted earlier on the prior to the season. We'll now talk about our offensive player, defensive player, coach if we want to, rookies if you want to throw it out there. But like for now, let's talk about, and the reason this got me thinking is uh, in one of our fantasy groups, it's very, very chatty, and you guys were talking about this. Uh, so throw out what you're thinking for that award as we stand. Which award? Uh, the MVP right now of the 2020 season before we kick off Week 10 tomorrow. So I feel like it would have been close between two players before this weekend, but this weekend solidified that it's very clearly to me Patrick Mahomes. Now, it would have been very close for me between Mahomes and Wilson, and everybody knows that I predicted Wilson at the beginning of the year, but... I don't think you get to be the MVP and have like it. So if you look at the stat sheet, it's 390 yards and a couple of touchdowns. That looks impressive, but he was not very good in the game. He was not. He, you know, four turnovers, two interceptions, and two bad ones too. It wasn't like it. it was the first one's not as bad because it's fourth down and you got to throw it up and make a play because you decided you went for it, you know. But like two like bad decisions on the and then obviously like. Something that Wilson's known for being great at is pocket awareness. And the two strip sacks were like he was oblivious seemingly to the pressure. So, again, like Russell Wilson's still one of the best, if not the best quarterback in the NFL. But today, I think it's very clearly Patrick Mahomes who has, I think, 24 touchdowns. He has 25. 25 touchdowns and one interception, and that's it. And it's just – it's super impressive. They're a, a, a dominant team. They're – only one game behind Pittsburgh for the one seed. I wish that they would play this season. That'd be a really fun game to watch. But uh, I'm sure we'll see them in the playoffs at some point. But I think that he's just he elevates his team to a level that we haven't seen in a while. And you know, I have been hard on Patrick Mahomes in his young career. I have said before <laughs> that he's got all these weapons and yada yada yada. But it's just they've had multiple injuries on their team on the offensive side of the ball this year. And they just don't seem to miss a beat. And you talk about just the innovation with Andy Reid as well. Like that play where like Patrick Mahomes was in motion and is running to the left and catches it, spins around and throws a touchdown. It's like you guys are just playing around with everybody right now. Uh, and it's just the it's the efficiency, I think, that, that catapults him. Because obviously like Russ stat, is stuffing the stat sheet. And I think he has more touchdowns than Mahomes. But Mahomes never turns the ball over. And... You know, the one game he did, they lost. You know what I mean? He has one interception, and it was against the Raiders, and they lost that game. So he is just so he is the most valuable to his team right now. All right, yeah, I actually feel pretty passionate about this one. I agree. I I have been off the Russell Wilson MVP bandwagon ever since their game against Miami, which they won, and he performed well. But I feel like 
that defense really that's where I started to see the chinks in the MVP talk honor. Okay. Uh, for me, the MVP is neither of those two. It's definitely Aaron Rodgers this okay. season. So Aaron Rodgers, you were talking about Mahomes. He has 25 touchdowns to one interception. Rodgers has 24 touchdowns to two interceptions. Those okay. two interceptions also came in one game against Tampa. Okay. So Mahomes does air does edge out Rodgers in the yardage uh, by by 400 yards, a little less than 400. So a significant amount of yards. That doesn't always that doesn't always bug me, but especially with the argument that I think you're about to make. With what I'm saying, <laughs> and, and so you know what I'm about to say, but. For those of you who don't know me as well, I don't think that the MVP award is anywhere near a statistician award or who's playing the most spectacular in terms of yardage or things like that. It's what they do with their team and how they elevate them. And I I hear what you're saying. I definitely think Patrick Mahomes is absolutely one of those players that elevates the players around him. But when we talk about the Kansas City Chiefs, what do we talk about around Mahomes? We talk about weapons. We talk about Tyree Kill, Travis Kelsey. They have the first-round running back, Clyde Edwards-Alaire. They added Le'Veon Bell. How many times, I don't know if you saw it, how many times I could tell you how many memes I saw about the Chiefs assembling Thanos gauntlet when they traded for Le'Veon Bell and it was Mahomes' face on, on Thanos and just getting all these different pieces. We're not even sure. Sammy Watkins was hurt, but they have Nicole Hardman and they have Demarcus Robinson who turns on and off all the time. So sure, Aaron Rodgers absolutely has weapons. He has, in my opinion, one of the best wide receivers in the league and Devontae Adams and Aaron Jones, who is obviously phenomenal as well, but he's been in and out of the lineup. There have been times though that who knows who the heck's playing for Green Bay? Devontae Adams has gone down. Then Lazard stepped up. Then Lazard went down. And then Aaron Tanyan Jones didn't have. Then they had Tanyan, yes. Then they had Aaron Jones go down. So Jamal Adams, I mean, not Jamal Adams, sorry. Jamal Williams stepped up. And then so, he went down. <laughs> and then then they didn't have COVID. And they were talking about who's going to be the running back for the Green Bay Packers. Right. So right now, the only consistent thing on the Packers offense this year has been Aaron Rodgers. And you can absolutely you got to tip your cap to Matt LaFleur, but Matt LaFleur, while he's been spectacular in his first, I believe, San Francisco was his 21st game, he's been spectacular, but right now he's not Andy Reid. Andy Reid has been in the league for 30, 25-plus, 30 years for a reason, and he's one of the best, smartest coaches for a reason. And sure, when you come in and you add innovation to the Packers offense, which LaFleur has, absolutely it's helped, but... There are so many different elements working with Kansas City and Patrick Mahomes, which makes him better and good. And he's obviously a phenomenal talent. That's not what I'm saying here. But the most valuable player to a team right now, Aaron Rodgers. You know, I we often I mean, we, we we do this every year when we talk MVP. We're always like, you know, it's not best player, it's not most stats, it's always who is the most valuable to their team. And it's just MVP hasn't been that way for a while. But, yeah, I find it hard to argue against what you just said. I really do. Because, I mean, I know I love Aaron Rodgers, and I don't even know. Did you say Aaron Rodgers at the beginning of the year, or did you say? Uh, I actually said Tom Brady. <laughs> okay. Oh, that's right, because we talked about the story and everything, but... Well, and I mean, obviously, the season's not over, but last week was rough. Well, prior to this week, it was looking like it could happen. People would vote for him, but last, last week was rough. pretty hard. Uh, but regardless, yeah, I just, that you know, that's a great point. And just to kind of broaden our view a little bit, like other guys that we were talking about, like I said that, you know, 
I think Allen re-entered the conversation a little bit last week, but then, no, sure. but then he we deserves also, to be in the conversation. But then we're also talking about like context is the reason why I would disqualify Allen. Is the reason why you should qualify? Why Rogers should be more qualified? Is that like, you know, Allen has had Stefan Diggs every game all season, and you know. Well, just like a big a big portion of why I think that is because what do we talk about? And you could even say it about Allen, like what you're saying right mm-hmm. now. You're talking about like in Mahomes, like weapons, weapons, weapons. What is it always before the trade deadline? It's get Aaron Rodgers weapons. He needs weapons. Right. He needs it, and he's right. doing just fine without. And that's them. and that's really really a sensational point. It truly truly is because, and I like I said I, it's really hard because, the Chiefs do have a ton of weapons, and. The Packers do, but obviously some of them have been out, and they, like and pound for pound, I think you would. That'd be an interesting conversation to have, like pound for pound, like when all of them were healthy, like which depth chart you would take over which, especially with how good Devontae Adams has been. Uh, but I think you would probably, I probably pick the Chiefs. I think eight out of ten people would take the Chiefs. I was gonna say you'd probably more often than not pick the Chiefs. Uh, but you're right. They have been out of the lineup. So I think the reason why I say Mahomes is because I think the reason they're able to be so innovative is because of him. Like the the innovation is truly there. And like I said, that the point that Andy Reid's been in the league for almost 30 years. Uh, he might be. I really don't know how long he was an assistant <laughs> before he was a head yeah, coach. Yeah. Uh, but I know it's like 20 years that he's been a head coach. But that, that like that's a great point that that that's certainly in his favor but like this, this is the best offense that Andy Reid has ever run for a couple of years with Patrick Mahomes and I think that he has unlocked a level that Andy Reid hasn't been able to go to because he's that good it's fair and so I think that that's why my first instinct was to say Mahomes but get a drink or two in me and I'd probably be like okay it's Aaron Rodgers so it's really not <laughs> no, that you're definitely not it's really not that your 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 opinion is not it's not like oh that's so wrong like I definitely understand why it's Mahomes Mahomes is in my opinion the best player in the NFL does that make him the MVP of that's the 2020 point. season no and we talked about that about Patrick Mahomes' MVP season when we thought it should have been Drew Brees right. without any question. So uh, I do want to – I, I got to say this. Poor Russell Wilson, man. We were – nobody would have batted an eye. Like all year we're just so – it's, it's Russ, it's Russ, it's Russ, it's Russ. fallen out. But I will say that uh, the NFL.com just – uh, did did like their little pooling thing and okay. like I don't I don't know oh yeah Ru- who like gets votes but I Russell don't know if it was a tie or he edged him he, out by he one vote does have Mahomes by one vote isn't it isn't it funny on that list it's his car is one Derek vote Carr and it's by his brother by car which makes no sense it's hysterical um but also I was gonna say like they're saying let Russ cook and for a while it was some nice comfortable home cooking but now he's basically on cutthroat kitchen. <laughs> With this defense. That was cute. Like, legitimately, this defense is cutthroat kitchen for him. It's like, oh, Russ, we're going to keep asking you to cook, but now you have to cook without utensils. Or now you have to cook in a pool. (laughs) Like, it's insane. It's disgusting. And the pool's on fire. And the pool's on fire, and we're also going to shoot spitballs at your forehead while you do it. And then when you don't cook well, we're going to blame it on you. And (laughs) there are a few piranhas thrown in there. I just want to say, though... Like I know that they they scored thirty four points and he, and I actually don't like his post game comments when he was like when you score thirty four points you should win the game, 
Uh, he's like, so, you know, maybe obviously in this game we need to score 40, but I think we'll be okay. And, like, I do think that, you know, they're going to make the playoffs. We're going to be okay. But, like, <laughs> you only had 10 points until really late into the third quarter. And you were – there was only one – there was not – other than – like, Buffalo went up 14 nothing in the first quarter. Yeah. And after that, they never, ever, ever started a drive in a position to tie or take the lead the rest of the game. So – you, you can laud that you put up 34 points, but most of them were at the end of the game when we were just trying to burn clock from you. you bu- Buffalo handled you guys for a while. And I think that you need to come in in your interview and say, yeah, we got smacked in the mouth. We need to be better. Not, we put up 34 points. It's okay. <laughs> I'll say this, and we can move on to the next category. Unless I, saw, wanna... I saw something brewing in your head that you wanted to fight. <laughs> There's just, it's such an interesting fandom thing that we do. Like, I, I, I've definitely told you, I don't know if I've said it on the show, I know if I wasn't a Green Bay fan, like, Aaron Rodgers would furiate me. Oh, yeah, you have said talks. that. You have said that. <laughs> because in my opinion, I didn't see it, I don't know his tone, but I, right. I don't think he was disrespecting Buffalo when doing that. No, 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 no. I, sorry, I didn't I didn't mean it that way. I, I really didn't. What, what I mean it by is that, like, and he was very, like, calm about it, but, like, he was very cliff- clearly blaming his defense. And I just think that that's, that's wrong. I feel like – Like, obviously sure. obviously his defense is bad. Like, nobody thinks – like, it's the worst defense in the NFL and besides probably the Jets. But, like, legitimately, he, I don't get why your mind's like, I put up 34 points. That should be enough. Like, you, you got – you were I feel hope- like there's also blaming himself for that. Well, I, ho- I, mean, I, I mean, again, like I said, I just – I think that the narrative of this game is that they still put up 34 points and Buffalo's defense is bad. And I was like, they had 10 until almost the fourth quarter. Like, the defense actually shut them down pretty well until they went into the mode of, okay, now we're just going to sit back and they're going to waste time and they're never going to get close enough. Because like I said, after Buffalo went up by those two scores, they never again started to drive within one possession of the, of the lead. So Let's talk about our <laughs> Offensive Player of the Year. You go first on this one. Well, I went first on MVP. Well, I'm just curious as to what you're going to say. Uh, so it's it's between two players for me. Uh, it's not this player is not one of the two, but like I would really love to say Devontae Adams because it's just oh, clearly fine. he's amazing. But I don't think he's played enough games for people to vote for him. Sure, but I think that he like would deserve to be in that conversation. Without, yeah, that makes sense. Every time he steps on the field, he has ten catches for 150 yards. It's nuts. Yeah, it certainly <laughs> seems that way. It gets in the end zone every time. It's just completely insane. But so it's between Alvin Kamara and Dalvin Cook for me. All right, which one are you taking? And. If I want to talk about offensive player of the year, that's normally a stats award versus like a you help your team award. Like if we're talking about our debate between like the difference between a best player and a most valuable player, then it would be Kamara because I think he's more valuable to his team. Okay. Uh, but if I'm talking like offensive player of the year, it's I think it's got to be Dalvin Cook. Uh, so they obviously it's the two game stretch, but on the fantasy footballers podcast, they were like, "Do you want to hear a 16 game pace for the last two weeks?" It was like he's on pace. If he played like fourteen more games on this pace, he would rush for two thousand nine hundred yards. He would score sixty rushing touchdowns and add eight hundred receiving yards and four receiving touchdowns. It's just bonkers how good his last two weeks have been. And I think that he's been good, if not great, the majority of the season. And then these last two weeks, he's just like exploded. And like, it's, he's the reason they won two straight games. Yeah. He's very clearly the reason. So, 
Yeah, actually, Dalvin Cook is also my okay. offensive player of the year. And okay. I also think it goes. I, I love you shouting out Adams because yeah. I feel like that really but again, like, makes sense with me. But being injured, it's hard to be in that conversation. Is, but he but deserves. It's the, also, but I mean, Cook was also injured. <laughs> it's he true. Missed, he that is very true. Yeah. Um, it, it does go between the two at first before I sat down to, to write all this out and do a little more research. I was like, it's Alvin Kamara because when Michael Thomas went down and Sanders went down, I mean, he was he it. was the mm-hmm. offense. Drew Brees isn't tossing the ball forward two yards. It's backwards two yards to Kamara, and Kamara mm-hmm. takes it 60 yards and is right. a touchdown. And he dismantled the Bucks defense, right. which hadn't allowed a 50-yard rusher, and he was just right. making it look like they were JV out there. Mm-hmm. So with all that, you could absolutely make the argument for Kamara, but I do think it's Dalvin Cook. I don't think. I think the Vikings are a better two and what are they two and seven? No, they're three and five. Three and five. They're a better three and five team than three and five. I mean, I think the but Vikings think are probably the best three win team in the NFL. <laughs> a large portion of that is because of Dalvin Cook. Yeah. So, like you were saying, you were it's talking nuts. about hypothetical. It's nuts. Uh, stats, but he does have 858 rushing yards on the season, 173 receiving yards, which actually seems really low it for does. some reason to me. Like it just seems like there must be so many times that he's just rushing that I feel like that was like a screen dump off right. but it's not. He has 12 rushing touchdowns and one receiving touchdown, 13 touchdowns in 7 games, so almost two touchdowns a game. Yeah. And he's averaging 6 yards a carry. That's not just after the the two spectacular games of this week. I'm sure those have certainly helped, but anytime right. I like to see a running back have 4.0 or above, that's when I consider it really good. Mm-hmm. So to be 6 like that's just that's phenomenal. And I just feel like he is the piece that's making this offense go more so, especially now, than we yeah. saw with Kamara. But yeah. both are obviously, I'm glad that we both agreed like those are the top two. Right, and I I really struggle to think of other names. You know what I mean? Like, obviously, there, there are other players like, you know, DeAndre Hopkins really has been incredible this season, but DeAndre Hopkins is not even the leading receiver. The leading receiver in the league is Stephon Diggs. You know what I mean? So like, but I wouldn't consider him the offensive player of the year. You know okay. what I mean? Like, so there it's really it's really, I think, between those two players. And I I struggle to think of another player that would put in the conversation. You know what I mean? Okay. Players okay. that we thought would be in the conversation like CMC and Saquon Barkley and like those guys just injured and haven't been on the field. So right. like that it's hard to to debate that. Um I'm pretty sure I said Aaron Rodgers offensive player of the year because I said Russell Wilson would be the MVP. Okay. So I don't know. Okay. I, I don't know if I, I can't remember that. All right. Well, I have a shocker for defensive player of the year. Oh, man. So I don't know if you want to go first again. No, you go first because I, I think that mine will be fun too. All right. So my defensive player of the year, and this is completely going against. Uh, Actually, I don't want to say it's going against Wins because he's on a good team, but I'm talking about the impact of the team, and it definitely doesn't necessarily feel that way after this previous week. But my defensive player of the year is Jamal Adams on the Seattle Seahawks safety. I think what that he brings shocking. to that defense, what he's able to do, and we saw it in the in the broadcast on Sunday. He was yelling at Carroll, like, let me make impact plays. And 
Obviously, the defense is so bad, and maybe Adams is a point to that, but Adams has missed a lot of time. But on the season, he has three and a half sacks, 28 tackles. He adds a different element. When actually, I feel like he's worse when he drops into coverage. When he's at the line and rushing a quarterback, he creates havoc. And I feel like when he makes those impact plays, he is able to shift the tide. And if there was any time when Seattle was trying to claw their way back in, it a lot of times was due to Jamal Adams making a defensive play. So he's missed a lot of time, but when he's been on the field, he's impacted the game, and I'm super excited to see what he does for the remainder of the season if he stays on the field. You know, that was that is shocking. I don't think it's crazy, but it's not my defensive player of the year. Sure, I didn't. You know, I just wanted to pick something different. <laughs> no, I do think that makes sense. I did like I do, like I sh- I shudder to think of what their defense would be without a player like Adams on it because he really has been. And he I mean you know, for as much as we clown Seattle's defense, they sacked Josh Allen seven times in the game on Sunday. Yeah. So they really are all over the place. But my defensive player of the year is Miles Garrett for the Cleveland Browns. He's just everywhere. I think if I pick like a logical one, then yeah, like mine too. he's everywhere. He's got four forced fumbles, it's two recovered, he's been doing. nine sacks, which is tied for the league. Uh, you know, he's got five tackles for a loss, 13 quarterback hits, and the Incredible stat is he has the four forced fumbles, but he's forced in seven straight games a turnover because of pressure that he um, caused. It's just he's nuts. He's wreaking havoc. And I'm like, I'm obviously, I'm trying to think of the last time a defensive player went number one overall that's been this much of a hit. You know what I mean? I feel like a lot of times we have defensive players right at the top that are that just don't hit. Um, and he just is so good, and they gave him the huge contract. And obviously, like, he was on pace last year to have this good of a season. And a lot of people had him in that conversation, too. But then, obviously, the suspension had when he lost his head and almost took somebody else's head off. But it's just he's so good, and he's a big reason, maybe the biggest reason that the Browns are 5-3 and and in a playoff spot right now. Because, you know, the Browns are outside the playoffs right now. That's right, because the Dolphins have the spot, don't they? They do. That's going to be hysterical if I end up losing the Browns bet because your team kicks them out. Well, the Browns bet doesn't have to do with the playoffs, does it? Oh, that's right. It's true. just wins. That's true. Fair enough. But regardless, I just – I think obviously their their offense is so inconsistent. Sometimes it's really good. Sometimes it's not. But, like, the defense forces pressure all the time, and it starts with Miles Garrett. So – uh, if it makes you feel better, I don't want to say better, but like that's what I wrote down. But then I was like, that's what we're both going to say. Okay, And fair so enough. I was thinking you were talking about the Seattle game so much, and I know the impact that he made. And so I that's fair. wanted to do something a little bit. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. Uh, do you want to talk about any other awards? Do you want to talk about a rookie real quick? Do you want to talk about a coach? Or are we kind of... Yeah, I think so rookie of the year is going to probably come down between Joe Burrow and Justin Herbert. I think it's Justin Herbert. He's just been so good. He's he's not he's not just been good for a rookie. He's just been good. He's like seventeen he, touchdowns or five interceptions. Exactly. Like he'd be in your top ten of who is your best quarterbacks playing right now. Like not like who are the best quarterbacks. You know what I mean? But like playing right now this season, who's having the best season? Who's having the ten, like the ten best quarterbacks? He'd be on the list. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm going to. I wrote down Burrow. I think the effect that he's had on Cincinnati yeah. is amazing. I yeah. will say this just to be fun because Miami's going to play LA next week. They play in Cincinnati in about a month. I think if Miami 
beats both of them and Tua has a part of that. It's not going to be like a Rams thing. I feel like Tua will take it because of that. I want to live in a world where or that's possible. I just don't know if you only play half the season if people will give you the award. But I want to live in that world because I think that he would deserve it. Because I, obviously we've been stout that we think he's the best player out of the three. I'm just saying I it, it won't happen – it won't happen at all if Miami loses those games. So if, if he goes head-to-head with it those rookies it. and beats them, That's fair. I think people are going to be like, oh, man, Is that the yeah. next two weeks? What's that? Is that the next two weeks? or he no, plays Cincinnati's in like four weeks. Okay, gotcha. That's still awesome, though. That really is. Um, yeah, and then I don't know if you disagree, but I you kind of said it earlier. I think the coach of the year right now is Flores. It is for me. I know that a lot of people are going to say Tomlin, and, and that's I, fine. He's in the conversation. I get it. I get he it. deserved it, it more last undefeated. year. I 100% <laughs> agree. This is not – it's impressive that for the first time in franchise history, the Steelers are like, no, that's great. This is not as impressive as what he did last year. Yeah, and, and that's fine. Like, I, there's something wrong with that. It doesn't mean that he's not – I mean, he will probably be the coach that ends up winning it if they end up only losing one or two games because it's just how the award seems to go. Yeah. Um, like, I don't know why people are such cow. I'm sorry, I don't want to call people cowards that I don't know, <laughs> but I think it's cowardly to be like it has to go to the team with the best record. But it's like last year, I, I don't even know who won it last year. I don't know. Was it Andy Reid? Actually, I feel was like it John it Harbaugh. I think it was Harbaugh. And like, yeah, we like John Harbaugh, and he like they had a really great season, but like. I still think that Mike Tomlin and Brian Flores were, were were better coached last year. You know what I mean? So I just again I don't know. It's it's such a weird award. It's a, yeah, a lot of co- a lot of coaches know. a lot of coaches do deserve it when they you know what I mean. But like I agree with you a thousand percent. Like Brian Flores would be two spots ahead of Tomlin for me right now. Like there are definitely other coaches that I'd put in that conversation before Tomlin. So. All right. What's your bold prediction for the second half of the twenty twenty season? So. My bold prediction <clears throat> is that – sorry, there's something in my mouth. Um, where is it? I have it written down right here. Oh, my – no, that's not – so I had this written down two weeks ago when it would have been pulled that Kyler Murray would break um, Lamar Jackson's rushing record this season, but he's on pace to do it now with his last couple of weeks. So it's not really bold anymore. But I'm going to stick with – the my Atlanta Falcons my this is my pseudo team this year all right I mean, they seem to be every year just kind of in the background <laughs> um but the Atlanta Falcons are going to make the playoffs Ooh. now now it might be the it, it'll probably be the seventh seed because they've fallen so far behind but they're three and one in their last four and they've got a couple of big games coming up but I like I said I truly believe that they're gonna win the next four which will have been five in a row which will have been uh, sorry, math real quick. Eight out of the last. Math of money. They will have. They will. Have, they will have gone eight and one under Raheem Morris, and I think they have the roster for that. And that especially makes me feel more confident that their defensive players are back healthy, and Julio Jones is playing as well as he is. Calvin Ridley will come back, and it's just they didn't trade anybody away. They're still intact, and they believe in this guy, and they believe in this team. I mean, Matt Ryan has said, and I guess, I guess most teams say this when you're bad. Uh, but I'm, I'm not hearing any Jets players being like, we're a good football team. But, like, Matt Ryan is like, we're a really good football team. We just haven't been able to finish, and now we're learning how to do that. So, I really, I like, I believe in this team. And, again, I might eat my words. Who cares? It's, we're just having fun on our show. But I, I truly believe it, that they are going to make the playoffs. All right. There we go. Uh, I told you at the beginning of the episode this was my Homer episode. Oh, okay, here we go. <laughs> my bold prediction is Miami's about to win four in a row, which will make Whoa, their win. Oh no. They will have won eight consecutive games. 
I think when that happens, it is going to make the Week 17 showdown between Buffalo possibly for the division. For the division. Well, I was going to say because that puts them at what, you had nine and three. If they win the next four, they're nine and You'd three. You'd be nine and three, and then I don't know who you would play before you play us, but uh, before we play Buffalo in Week 17, we play the next four, which I think we win. Then they play the Chiefs, which I think they will lose. Okay. Um, and then they play the Patriots. Which I think will be a toss-up. There's got to be one more game before us, though, because we play the Pats beat before you play you. Oh, maybe we don't play the Pats then. But regardless, I will say this: we the Buffalo's next four games are the Cardinals, the Chargers, the 49ers, and the Steelers, and I don't see that as a solid. We win four in a row, so we're only one and a half games up on you because we still have the head-to-head. Right. Um. So if that happens, then yeah, I do. That would be pretty wild, and I, you know. I'd be equally as excited for that as I would be anxious, upset. It would be, it would be a and, tense Sunday. And, and annoyed and annoyed that we couldn't go to the game. Like <laughs> I'd be like that would be my most upset thing is that we wouldn't be able to go because we've gone three or four times now and it's never mattered. Although I guess no, it did matter. The, technically it mattered the one game that we said is like the best game we've seen. Yeah. Because we both were still in contention. But like for the division is a whole other thing. Right. I will say this. If that is a possibility, that game will get flexed. That'll be, that'll be the last. You know what I mean? I think if it goes out that way, it would. It'll yeah, be flexed. Totally. You know what I mean? <laughs> so, exciting times. We both have uh, two teams just dominating the league for the rest of the month. <laughs> so, let's do some no huddle real quick, shall we? Yeah. So talking about the Thursday night game tomorrow, the Colts at the Titans. So Phillip Rivers has only been sacked seven times this year. So kudos to that offensive line. That is the fewest amongst qualified quarterbacks this year. Tannehill in his career is 4-1 and one against Phillip Rivers. Most That's of those interesting. when he was over in L.A., obviously, but now they are in the same division. So a player that we, and maybe this is like a mini cold read for you as well, a player that I, I feel like we both have relatively liked through his career, T.Y. Hilton has gone for fewer than 100 yards in 18 consecutive games. Is T.Y. just done? I guess it depends on what you define as done. Like, I'm not, I don't think T.Y. is done as in, like, he's going to struggle to make rosters from now on the rest of his career and contribute. Like, I think that he'll be with the culture with somebody and be a contributor. But I'm he's just- not an impact player? Again, I think you have to define impact. I don't mean, like, he's, I don't think he's ever going to be in the conversation for, like, top 10 best receivers in the NFL, but, like, he'll he'll make an impact on this roster and other rosters in his okay. career. I just don't see him as, like, that superstar X-Factor player. Okay. I feel like that, in my opinion, <laughs> was impact. He's, yeah, because, like, a few years ago, like, I feel like in our first season, we did, like, our top 15 receivers. He was definitely on both of our lists. I think he was. So, I know he was definitely on mine. Yeah. Uh, let's go on to the Texans at the Browns. The Browns is super interesting. The Browns have either scored 30-plus or seven or fewer in each of their games. There's no in between. <laughs> Hot and cold, Cleveland. Oh, my goodness gracious, Cleveland. So, Will Fuller <sighs> has one or more touchdown catches in six straight games this year. He's so been awesome. He's he been awesome. was obviously a player that was we were talking about was on the trade blog. Was he going to be a move? He's always been a player that struggled with injuries. He's said before this year if he could just stay healthy, he can make an impact, and so far and he's it, doing it. Well, two things I'd like to say about Will Fuller. One, it's rare that you hear a player say that 
and then stay healthy for the most part. Because I feel like most players say that, but they just never end up doing it. Yeah. So it's like kudos to him. I, I do remember when that came out. I was like, oh, everybody no. says that. Yeah. Um, but and then the other thing I would I wanted to say was I have I'm not going to I'm not going to divulge the information of the number of fantasy leagues that I'm in because I don't want to make anybody wretch who's listening <laughs> to this. But I had him in every single league, but two or three at the start of the season and then when he got injured, I dropped him in half leagues. And I was so I'm so mad at myself for it. Because if you take out the the game that he was injured at the beginning of a game and didn't, didn't have anything. And then besides that, game, that game besides that game, he's been a wide receiver one or two the whole season. On the flip side, a player we also really like, Jarvis Landry, has no touchdown catches this year. That's kind of shocking. That is shocking, isn't it? Especially now that OBJ has been down. Although, I guess it was only one game. It was game. only one game. They've only played OBJ one game so without him, yeah. All right, ready for this? This one's going to make you hold your breath about our bet. Oh, no. Cleveland is 5-3 and three for the first time since 2014. Awesome. That but, year, in 2014, but... they lost six of their final seven games. Yikes. Cleveland, you got to keep playing. We don't. Uh, we're not comfortable yet. I just we're not I, comfortable yet. It's just funny because I remember when they won a couple weeks back. I don't know if it was the Cincy game or if it was the game afterwards. And you were like, "Well, I think it was the Colts game." I yeah, was like, the you got Colts the game. bet. You're like, "All right, well, you got it." And I was like, "Oh no." <laughs> Let's go to another AFC showdown: the Bengals at the Steelers. Mm-hmm. So Burrow is the eighth rookie to take on an undefeated team in Week Ten or later since 1950. So we got some throwback history for you. Wow, excluding any years that had strikes. Uh, those rookies are one and six combined against the undefeated team. So odds Yikes. are against Burrow from history standpoint. But hang on, we got some other things to say. The Bengals. This one's not necessarily going on his side. The Bengals have lost, or uh, have lost the game after the bye in four straight seasons. So a lot of times we're talking about uh, the bye and having the time to prep and whatnot. I've actually been starting to wonder if teams that have less playing time are, are more well prepared. Very I don't know. I don't know. That's a question that could be asked this year. That is something that before this year I've been like, no way. But the Bengals have scored 27 plus points in three straight games. So Impressive. that offense is Impressive. starting to hum a little bit. I thought this one of the better trio of receivers in the NFL right now was fascinating, though. Pittsburgh pressures on 43.5% of opposing quarterbacks' dropbacks. That's the highest rate in the NFL. Burrow has not thrown a touchdown when being pressured yet. Interesting. And that is according to Next Gen Stats. Because I also felt like that was impossible, but I don't know exactly their metrics for that, but it's just when being pressured. So that is interesting. The 49ers at the Saints. This was a rematch of one of the best games of last year. Not probably, probably not going to be one of the best games this year. So the 49ers are 0 and 5 when allowing 24 plus points this year. They are 4 and 0 when allowing fewer than 24 points. So interesting. Hot and cold. Uh, the 49ers have allowed six receiving touchdowns to wide receivers over the last two games. So probably not a great thing when you finally got Sanders back, you got Thomas back, and you still have Smith. So uh, for a team that finally got their wide receivers back facing this defense, rough. It's gonna be rough. It is rough. 
Um, and I've talked about this stat a lot of times throughout the course of the year, but it keeps growing, and I'm just super impressed. New Orleans has 46 straight games without allowing a 100-yard rusher. It just blows my mind. That's like almost three-plus seasons. Now, it would have been real in jeopardy this year, or this game, if like everybody was healthy on the San Fran offense. Oh, it would have been. I probably, that, was, that does make me a little bit sad. I, like This would have been strength going strength, yeah, and that does stink. But I think it's pretty much not going to happen this week. Yeah, so. probably not with, with Hasty and McKinnon and whatnot. So talk about the last game I have here, the Ravens taking on the Pats. So the Ravens have won 10 straight road games, so that's pretty darn cool. Cam is the first Pats quarterback to not have thrown a touchdown in four consecutive games since, wait for it, Jim Plunkett in 1975. <laughs> so we got some throwback history there, too. Well, let's do this. People are all over Baltimore this season uh, for not being quite as good. But Baltimore still in 30 – these two stats that kind of blew my mind. 31 straight games, they've scored 20 or more points. And in 21 straight, they've had at least one takeaway. That's pretty gross. So Baltimore and John Harbaugh are always a tough out, and they're consistently they consistently put up points and take the ball away. So Jackson, on top of that, has won 25 of his first 30 starts, breaking Dan Marino's record for so a career start. Did that's you know that? Awesome! I didn't know that for career wins in his in your first 30 starts. Dan Marino held the record, and that was one of the records that a lot of people said could never be broken because it's just. Dumb to win that many games early. I mean, what is what did Mahomes do in his first thirty? It's that not, happened yet. It's not I, well because his first year they went eleven and five, and last year they were eleven and five. So oh, it, you know what I mean? Okay, like, okay, cool. Well, that's neat. Uh, the last thing I have about this game is New England is allowing one hundred and thirty-one rushing yards per game. That is nuts. the most of the organization in the last seven years. That's nuts. Uh, Baltimore, on the other hand, is averaging 170.1 yards per game. That's the most in the NFL. Which is crazy to think. Like, people are so down on the Ravens, but... It's just... It's... Uh, what have we seen lately? It's just Losing the reaction. The it's the reaction of what we saw last year being so spectacular. And so they're still obviously very, very good this year, but they're not what they are last year. I mean, the, the, so. the, thing, the thing about them is, you know, it's... Uh, are you going to play from behind, or are you going to play with a the lead? They're clearly way better on one of those categories. Uh, but also Cam Newton and Lamar Jackson are two quarterbacks on a list of four to ever have three passing touchdowns and a 100-yard rushing day in the same day. The other uh, One of the other quarterbacks is Randall Cunningham, and can you name the fourth? Kyler Murray. It just happened. This I was gonna past say that week. just happened. It just happened this past week. He became the fourth one, and now we have two of those matching up against each other this weekend. That's cool. That is pretty cool. All right, what's on the docket now, my friend? Uh, I think we are at fantasy for that. No, actually, oh. actually, I. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, actually, it's technically past. <laughs> Oh. All right. Okay, pals. It's picks. time for pals picks. Oh yeah. We had a little flair there that time. I was trying to do it like you said. Oh, <laughs> but it's not. <laughs> uh, I didn't. I didn't receive it that way. It was a crazy week in pals picks. Ah, uh, we are both on an uptrend though, which I appreciate. We both went two and one last week. Our totals uh, going into this week, I am sixteen and eleven. Adam is fifteen and twelve. I just can't seem to pull ahead. And get away from that one game. <laughs> so, 
admittedly, I think the one game that I got wrong was was wasn't it like a Oh, was it the Giants in Washington? Yes. That and is what was, you that got was the wrong. one where Washington scored and went for two and didn't get it, right? Two weeks ago? Uh well that I don't remember. I don't think that was last week, was it? Was it? No, those games are Probably. I don't remember. There's so many NFL games going on in our house any <laughs> given Sunday, so all right, let's get into week ten though. That's what we're focusing on. So do you want me to give you your games first? Sure. Alright. Oops, that's not what I meant to do. Oh my goodness. We are having technical difficulties. <laughs> um, so I'll fix it later. So the first game I'm giving you is the Thursday night showdown in the AFC South tomorrow. The Indianapolis Colts traveling to take on the Titans, a team that you said would be your Super Bowl representation versus a team that you were so low on at one point. And then I feel like we flip-flopped and I got low, but I feel like we're probably both... We're probably in a similar stratosphere now. Probably. So where are you picking this? Where are you going with this one? Talk about it. Listen, I picked the Colts... To win the division and represent the AFC in the Super Bowl. Uh, I don't know how I feel about the latter, but the former I'm still confident in. So I'm going to pick the Colts Ooh. win their first head-to-head. You, it, something that you mentioned is that they've only allowed seven sacks or like seven pressures or whatever seven against sacks. against Phillip Rivers. A huge reason why I was picking them is that when Phillip had a clean pocket in L.A., he was always good. You know what I mean? It was always when they blitzed him or when they got to him was when he started to turn over the ball. And I'm willing to bet of those seven times that he's gotten hit, like in those games, were probably a couple of times in a game. They're probably the games they lost where he threw picks because he was being pressured all the time. And Tennessee has struggled with a pass rush at times this year. It has not Uh, been pretty. Sometimes it's been very good and scary, and sometimes it is not. It's just they're very inconsistent. But the Colts are one of the best, if not the best, offensive line in the NFL. Um, uh, Jonathan Taylor's a little banged up, but they still have – Wilkins and Hines that they have they've got good running backs and their receiving core got a little bit bolstered with Michael Pittman Jr. the rookie coming back um, from Pitt so I just I see this one being close yes but I see Philip Rivers pulling it out all right fun stuff uh, my second game for you is the Washington football team taking on the Detroit Lions you know we talked about it with how like inspiring the Alex Smith story is just to not only to like have an injury like that and come back from it, but have an injury go like as gruesome as it was, and then have the recovery be as gruesome as it was. You know what I mean? With all the infections that he had and the extra surgeries he had to have. Yeah. For it. it's just pretty crazy, and he's gonna get the start in this game against Detroit. And you know, for a second there, I hesitated on my Detroit because I had picked them to make the playoffs, and then I recalled them, and then they won two straight. I was like, "Are you? You got to be kidding me!" Uh, but now they've also lost two straight. I just they're too banged up at on offense and defense. I'm picking Washington. I like Washington is very very good. Uh, obviously they lost to Daniel Jones and the Giants uh, this past week. Did I give you the Giants? Okay, I'll wait to give you my Giants stat I, I, until I give you that game. And I will say though, we are in week ten. Anytime I've given you Washington, you've picked wrong. So yikes. Maybe you're a Washington jinx. I don't know. Sorry, guys. Last game, the Denver Broncos taking on those Las Vegas Raiders. So this is one of the more confusing games of the year because— Of the year? Yeah, because oh, Denver, Denver at times has looked really good, and at times they've just been outclassed, and it's really— I think what you're meaning to say is they're really good in the fourth quarter and the first three quarters they're Drew Locke is the best quarterback in the league in the fourth quarter, apparently. But— 
another thing to point out is that Vegas, who we talked about being an inconsistent team, they're five and three this year, and that was the number one. Like according to now, not like at the start of the season, who had the toughest schedule. According to like records now, it's the number one toughest schedule in the entire NFL, and they're five and three against it. Okay, which is really impressive. Uh, that being said. I'm going to pick the Broncos. Oh, you going away teams this week? Yeah, I really think I think what what happens here is that the Raiders just had a, an emotional hard-fought battle this past week against the Chargers, a game where a lot of people on social media are probably saying like, "Oh, you lost that game because of the controversial touchdown." But I just really think that Drew Locke is is playing a lot better, and obviously it took him to the fourth quarter the last two weeks to do it, but I think that it's still proof that he can do it. Uh, I think that with Philip Lindsay and Melvin Gordon in the backfield, one of the best – I mean, if you were looking at two running backs in the backfield, it might be the best in the NFL. Um, a lot of – obviously teams have a better running back one, but like combined, very, okay. very good. Okay. Um, yeah, I really can't think of anything else really. I mean, I, you could say Le'Veon and Edwards-Alaire, but – I really I don't even – like, Le'Veon's look bad. Uh, <laughs> but regardless, yeah, I'm going to pick the Broncos. Okay, there we go. So Adam, like I said, is the aware this week. Uh, he's taking the Colts over the Titans, the WFT over <laughs> the Detroit Lions, and the Broncos over the Raiders. Okay, so now this is where we trip you up. We're going Giants at Eagles. Here's my Giants stat. Daniel Jones is 4-0 against Washington in his career, who he beat last week, and he's 1-16 against the rest of the NFL. And he had his first game in his entire – or only, he had his, only his second game in his entire career without a turnover. Yeah, That other game, also against Washington. So Danny Dimes. <laughs> Uh, does this mean you're going to trip me up because you think Giants are going to win because they're not? Because Carson, <laughs> oops, I don't mean to erase that. You picked them to win the division. I, I think did. they are going to take another large step towards doing that with beating these New York Giants this weekend. I'm taking Carson Wentz and the Eagles. They're finally starting to get healthy. Maybe we see Alshon Jeffrey come back. I don't know. Amazing. <laughs> um, we'll have to see if that's even a good thing if it does happen. But uh, Wentz to... Fulgham has been great. Dallas Goddard now has another game back from being injured. I think we're going to see not a one-yard or one-catch game from him again. Miles Sanders should be back. Miles Sanders could be back. We don't know. Um, There's definitely a possibility of that, though. I am taking the Eagles. Uh, Yeah, I will say it will be pretty crazy that if that happens that the division leader will be at least a 500 record. (laughs) Oh, man. (laughs) Now we're heading over to an NFC West battle uh, against battling division winners for us. You pick Seattle. I picked L.A. They've both had very different paths to get here, but uh, if L.A. overtakes them, they'll be... They'll be near the top, if not the top of the division, right? Because they're both five and or they're five and three, and the Seahawks are six and three, something like uh, that. Something like that. I don't know if they're out of my head. But regardless, the, it'll be the LA Rams. And what you got? Yeah, I. Uh, how many times have I said on this show in Russ I trust? Last week I did not. I in our bye week we still did pals picks. Oh, that's I right, we did. Picked the Bills to take on the Seahawks. I don't think the Seahawks are going to drop two in a row. I think they're going to come out angry. 
so Russ was obviously calm and composed in his post-game interview, like you said, but I think, I mean, that, that loss, in, in my opinion, is so much on him that I, if, if he's not angry, then he's one of the most zen dudes in the world, and I think it's going to come out and translate against this team. These teams always play each other so, so well. Even when they haven't necessarily been the best or, or good, I think about like the Rams Super Bowl year, the Seahawks were like the underdog guys that they played them really well. They lost those games. Now the Seahawks are the top guy, so mm-hmm. I don't know. The Rams could easily win this game, but I'm going to go with the Seahawks. I feel like Carroll is going to try like heck to get that defense. I'm not going to say they're going to be good. They're, they're not. They're not good, but after... The Buffalo game, that was the most points by a Carroll defense since he'd been hired. He said he didn't even recognize that defense out there, and I think that's going to be something that's drilled into these players' heads over the course of this week. I think they're going to rebound. I forgot that we still did p- picks last week, so that I I didn't understand why you were confused by what I pointed out against the Giants and Washington game. You were like, that didn't happen last week because it didn't, and I didn't realize that that was last week. I thought that was a couple weeks ago. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, 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 forgot, rem- I forgot we picked during we the week, and we, did. we didn't have an episode. So, yeah, let's go to the final game on the docket, Vikings at Bears, two teams going in vast different directions. Nick Foles, in a, or Nick Foles when he's not with the Eagles, is 7-15 and 15 as uh, a starter. That's he's heartbreaking. Interception in, he had an interception in six straight games. Uh, I don't know if he threw one last week, but I know that he threw three that were called back. Uh, that was the longest streak in the NFL, uh, and it's last, and he's last in the NFL in yards per drop back with only a four-man rush. Point being, Nick Foles has been very, very bad. Yeah, I wasn't necessarily on your the same car with you when you were like, this team would be better with Mitch still. Uh, I'm, I'm starting to feel like they would be, although <laughs> I, I know he was injured and didn't even suit up last week. I don't know what's going on with that now, but... I don't see them making a switch again. That'd be pretty weird. But I, if Mitch were healthy, I do think I could see it. But I don't, they're not going to Tyler Bray. Right. I actually don't even know if I would see it if he was healthy. I think that'd be just a lot of chaos. Uh, but I feel pretty confident taking the Vikings. I think that defense of the Bears is going to do a good, a better job of containing Cook. I don't think we're going to continue on the fantasy footballers three thousand yards pace that we were talking about. <laughs> uh, but I do see the playmakers of the Vikings making plays when they need to. Thielen, Jefferson on the outside. Irv Smith caught a couple touchdowns last week. I just feel like, and it's weird, especially in a primetime game, but I feel like I'm going to trust Cousins more than Foles in this matchup. Yeah, I respect it. So you have two road teams, not three like me, but still, regardless. Wasn't a total roadie this week, but I took the Eagles over the Giants, the Seahawks over the Rams, and the Vikings over the Bears. And there we have it. Pals. Pals picks. Sponsored by Wegmans. All right. Now let's go to Fantasy Fanatics. So our team's been kind of all over the place this year. I feel like we're on downslide. We're now 5-4, and four, but we're still the number three overall team. So yeah, we just need to get in the dance. But there are... Well, there's the team right below us is five and four, and then there's one, two, three, four teams with four wins. So we need to win. <laughs> uh, our roster, as it stands right now, Russell Wilson, Deontay Johnson, Jerry Judy, Antonio Gibson, Christian McCaffrey, Trey Burton, Melvin Gordon, Juju Smith-Schuster, Mike Davis, LaVisca Chenault, Damian Harris, Joshua Kelly, Jamison Crowder, and George Kill if he ever comes back. <laughs> um, so, yeah, uh, interesting team. We've got here. I, I obviously am upset about we had Christian back for 
one game and he was amazing and now we might not have him but well that's why we didn't drop davis it's good that we did not drop mike davis um i'm gonna do fantasy player of the week because it's on our roster uh, is running back for the Washington football team, Antonio Gibson. He's been a... Oh, second fantasy he, fanatic. He has been a visitor to this segment before. Uh, he's just been very good. He's involved in the offense. He's now finding his way into the end zone. He now has one, two, three, four, five rushing touchdowns this season. Um, and it seems to be when he finds the end zone, he has a great day. Uh, although he does when he also gets involved in the pass game as well. But regardless, excuse me, Detroit in full point PPR leagues is giving up the 30 is is number is 32nd ranked against fantasy running backs. So they are giving up the most fantasy points to opposing running backs. And Antonio Gibson has been very good. He's a little bit banged up. He missed practice today when we're recording on Wednesday, but I do expect him to play uh and if he plays, I think he will be a great play for your fantasy team this week nice i'm gonna go uh a little bit opposite of what i usually do i feel like i don't always pick uh an obscure name but i think they're gonna be (laughs) players that play well and so far they have i'm gonna go for a little bit of a deeper dive this week i'm gonna go with wide receiver here we go josh's homer team episode jakeem grant interesting this week isaiah ford obviously got traded um i'm completely blanking on Preston Williams. Preston Williams just got put on IR. So there's Devontae Parker. And then who else? I think right now there's a lot of talk about Antonio Callaway being called up finally onto the team. I think Grant is going to have the most repertoire right now with Tua. Okay. He's already been on the field uh, in the past couple games with him. And I feel like that is going to create – they're going to use that little fast shifty body to create some plays. If there is a player that's – as close to what Tua had at Alabama with the speed. It's going to be that guy there. Obviously, I think LA's defense, their back end is pretty good, but it can be exposed, and I feel like that is the name I'm going to throw out there for a little bit of a deeper dive. Well, he's not available on the one team that I would want to pick him up on, so whatever. I think about a couple places. (laughs) So that was my fantasy fanatic. All right, so Fantasy Fanatics. All right, so uh, do you have any tidbits before we do Friends Fortune? I do not have tidbits, but I have cold reads. All right, let's do it. All right, so we were talking about and giving some praise to the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, Lamar Jackson was on the Rich Eisen podcast in the past couple of days. It might have been actually today. I don't remember. I don't know. But he came out and said the defenses are literally calling out Baltimore's offensive plays before they happen, Uh, mostly when it comes to they're running and whatnot, and obviously they're putting up points. Like you were talking about that amazing right. twenty-point streak and whatnot, but mm-hmm. the offense is not what they were last year. Mm-hmm. So it was very clear that coaches really fine-picked uh, Baltimore tape over the off-season. So with Jackson coming out and saying defenses are literally knowing what they're doing, I want you to put on your Harbaugh cap right now. Sometimes I make you pretend to be coaches, and I want you to tell me what you would do about that. Do about Lamar. Not no, I don't think anything's wrong with what Lamar said, but how do you how do you start scheming this up so it's not maybe obvious or what do you say to your guys? How do you not let them? I'm sure if Lamar Jackson's noticing it, it's semi discouraging at least. We and we talk a lot about 
and you were a big proponent of this on the show when we were talking about his rookie year when they were winning. You were like, teams are going to figure this out. Teams are going to force them to do other things. You know what I mean? Um, and I think that – I think it's – I don't want to it, – it's too much of a complex question to – <laughs> sorry. It's very clear that this is a cold read. <laughs> um, it's too complex of a question to chalk it up to just like the players just have to be better or the offense just has to call better plays. You know what I mean? I think that it really is just a total team effort. I really think that everybody's just got to gotta work harder. You know what I mean? And we talked about – am I not answering your question? No, you are. Like I'm just to, curious as to, I mean, like, is it not like a coach's responsibility to maybe create some more maybe innovative or – I haven't – I don't know if I've – I've had to have seen at least one Baltimore game, but maybe like start doing what all the young coaches are doing, do some jet sweeps, do some things. Like you have mm-hmm. amazing runners. Like yeah. let's not make it so obvious that we have two tight ends out there. And so we talked about like – I saw, I mean, I mean, I even see on Twitter like – when they get down to the red zone, they're not doing it as much lately, but they throw to Mark Andrews. Like, maybe this is a semi-predictable offense that they just have yeah, and it's the hard talent to, to cover it up. And it, yeah, and it's hard, to, it's hard to say if that's what it was last year and that they were just that good nobody could stop them because that's what it looked like a lot of times is that just nobody could stop them. And like I said, I just talked about it. It's been, I think I said 31 straight games that they've scored 20 or more points. So, like, they like – they're obviously not being shut down. You know what I mean? Like, they're right. putting up points. I just, I don't, and I could be wrong, and this could be silly, but, like, I feel like this is the third time in a cold read I've said, I'm just not worried. But, like, I'm just not. Like, I I think that the innovation is still there, and I think that, you know, the play is still there. And I also think it wouldn't be crazy that John Harbaugh would say to his staff and nobody else, guys, we've got wrecked in the playoffs two straight years when we were, like, one of the best teams in the league. Let's just not even bother using our whole playbook all year. We're good enough. We'll make the playoffs, and then we'll empty the bag in the playoffs and show that we can win. Okay. And, like, that wouldn't be crazy because we've seen, and I don't know how often you watch the America's Team documentaries where they do about the Super Bowl champ every year. Yeah. But very often, more often than not, I've seen teams, especially, like, the Patriots say, like, Okay, let's pull those like ten to fifteen plays of the playbook that we've been saving all year for the playoffs. Like, it could be that there are wrinkles that they're just not using right now because they're winning games and they're going to be in the playoffs. So that you know that could be wrong, and and maybe it is wrong. Like maybe they'll have to pull some out. But I really think that they just are better than most teams, and you know there may come a point where they have to, you know, not run. So obvious stuff, but I don't know if it's yet. Okay. And then this one's a very simple one. I feel like I already know your answer, but this is based off what you said. This is your bold prediction for the Falcons where they win, I don't know, whatever you said, like seven. It will have been five straight, but it'll be eight of nine. So does that mean Raheem Morris is the head coach of the Falcons? I think it should, especially if that happens, it should be. Uh, I think that they absolutely need to seriously consider him because we just talked about it when we said Dan Quinn was fired. You were like, I think they need a motivator. They need a guy that lights a fire under them, and that's exactly what Raheem Morris is, and that's what he's doing with his team. Okay, they're ready to play every week, and if they absolutely if they go eight and one after starting zero and five with him as a coach, I'd be hard pressed to see them. You know what I mean? Like maybe. What they do with that is the new GM because they don't. They need a new GM too. Right. Maybe what happens with that is the new GM comes in, hires him, and says, "But we're going to find a young offensive coordinator 
to work with this team. You know what I mean? Maybe okay. that's the way they go with that because I do think they need some uh, in there as well. Although their offense has been pretty good, it's just uh, I love Raheem Morris and I think it's past time that he got a second chance at a because like he was so young with Tampa Bay when he got his first head coaching job. Right. Uh, and they went ten and six and just missed the playoffs with Josh Freeman. Deep cut. <laughs> All right. Well done. Do you have a cold read? I do. Okay. So we're on speed round. Let's go. Our favorite analytics expert, Cynthia Freeland, just posted her 2020 NFL win total projections midseason update. So okay. I'm going to give you the five teams that she projects to have the most wins in the NFL. You tell me which one is most likely to not be on that list. Okay. Okay. Kansas City Chiefs, she projects at 13.5.3. I don't know how you get to 0.3, but okay. whatever. It's analytics. Uh, uh, Pittsburgh Steelers, 13.2. Ravens, 12. Buffalo Bills, 11.1. And the Tennessee Titans, 10.4. Uh, yeah. Mm. That's actually why I kind of like hate articles like this because. Like there, that means with with those numbers, with Tennessee being fifth at ten, that means like there's like fourteen teams at like eight point three, eight point four, eight point five, and like that kind of annoys me because I feel like Tennessee might probably is going to be a ten, eleven. I will say team, this, but I don't think that means they're the fifth best team. The next three teams have projected of nine, but after that, all of them have under six or le- six or less. Yeah, so like that's that's frustrating and annoying. Uh, because, like I said, I feel like Tennessee is going to be a 10-11 team, but that doesn't mean they have the fifth, fifth best record, in my opinion. Right. So if I picked one of those, it would be Tennessee. Okay, so then the second part of the cold read, the second cold read, is I'm going to give you the next five. You tell me which one of those jumps up into that category. Okay. okay? The Raiders, they're projected for nine. They have five wins right now. Uh, the Dolphins, 9.1. Uh, they have five right now. Although, if your prediction is correct. Right, I already that. answered that. Uh, the Indianapolis Colts uh, are 9.03, who have five wins. And then the Cleveland Browns have 8.97, who have five wins right now. Oh, man. Cynthia Freeland, you gave the Browns 0.3 less than our bet. So She did. <laughs> kind of love it for that. <laughs> um yeah, I I don't know. There's going to be so much that's determined tomorrow night in the Titans-Colts game, in my opinion. But I, I see the Colts definitely having more than nine wins. Yeah? Yeah. Okay, fair enough. All right, then. That was cold reads. All right. So I'm going to run away. You have approximately 42 seconds to do your friend's fortune. 42 seconds? Okay, and go- so, so now I'm debating on whether or not I take up the full uh, 42 seconds or not. Uh, you know what? Let's challenge ourselves here. I'm going to be a little bit of a smart smart aleck right here. He said I have 42 seconds, so my bet is based off of 42. I'm going to say this weekend in – wait, where is this? Sorry, guys. Um, Josh, stop laughing in real time. <laughs> in the Browns versus the Texans. So Josh said that in the Browns' victories, they put up 30-plus. And in their losses, they put in under 10. So I'm going to say this is a win, and this is going to be a win where they go for 40-plus. Let's call it 42, maybe? 40-plus, at least, and a win. Okay. Did you clock it? 43?
All right, I'm going to take 10 seconds. My friend's fortune this week is that the Seahawks are going to score 45-plus points against the Rams, a team that has allowed 25 points or fewer in six of their eight. Like I said, I'm picking the Seahawks this week. I think they are going to come out and be ferocious. I think they're going to score 45-plus points against the Rams this week. Okay. Yeah, it was a speed round. Like speed. My actual friend's fortune was that fast. I was just kind of goofing off before that. All right, let's get some quick tidbits, okay? Because I got some fun ones that I can get to. All so, right. Tampa Bay, uh, Tom Brady, when he, when when they when Tampa Bay has won games, uh, Tom Brady has been pressured an average of four point five snaps. In their losses, he's pressured an average of 13 times. Wow. So you get pressure on Tom Brady, they lose. And they had only five rushing attempts in the game. By now, you probably know, fewest in NFL history in a game ever. That has always been the way to beat Brady, though. Uh, Buffalo, very good team, if I do say so myself. So the key to Buffalo success this year, big chunk plays. They have... 40 plays of 20-plus yards this season. Wow. Only one team has more. It's Kansas City, and they have 43. That's uh, awesome. Sorry, I, I lost it. Uh, so then we also talked about the Ravens. The Ravens had 15 touchdown drives on 10 or more plays in 2019. That was sort of a calling card for them. They only had three entering the second half of the this game last weekend against the Colts. Obviously, they had a couple against the Colts. Uh, going back to that Tampa Bay New Orleans game, Drew Brees, if it'll let me zoom in on this, against Tom Brady, twenty-one. he has three 21-point-or-more victories against Tom Brady in seven starts. The rest Say, of the NFL yeah. has four in 326 <laughs> Brees is the only uh, has the best winning percentage against a team or against a Brady against Brady. I think that than anyone that's ever played him four plus times. I think Drew Brees has the best winning percentage for a career actually because he's got like a crazy record against winning teams. He just he wins football games, man. Drew Brees. <laughs> um, and then one other stat about the Buffalo Bills and Josh Allen's incredible performance: thirty-one for thirty-eight, four fifteen, three touchdowns and a rushing touchdown. Josh Allen now has 14 career games with a passing touchdown and a rushing touchdown, and that's the second most in NFL history in the first three seasons. I'll throw a tidbit out that might not be right. This might be wrong, but I read it. <laughs> and if somebody's listening and knows this is wrong, please let me know. But I think it's fascinating that prior to Sunday night, Brady never been swept by a divisional opponent. Really? That's you what know, I read. I feel like that probably is accurate. See, like, I believe it, but it sounds so wrong. But it's cool. I'm really trying to think about that now. Oh, well, sorry, one more tidbit. So Warren Sharp, he's a big analytics guy on Twitter. Uh, so the 2020 Bills became the 13th team in NFL history to have 20-plus first downs in every single one of their first nine games. The last two teams to achieve that, the Rams in 2018, who made the Super Bowl, and the Pats in 2017 who made the Super Bowl. Oh, Buffalo man. has only done this one other time in their entire existence. It was 1992. You guessed it. They made the Super Bowl. So you heard it here first. The Buffalo Bills will be in the Super Bowl 55. But after they lose the AFC East 
in week 17. You know what? If we make the Super Bowl and lose the division to the Dolphins, I'm fine with that. (laughs) (laughs) All right, guys. That was our show for today. Thank you all for listening. Make sure you like and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and leave a review if you so please. It helps us a lot. Unless it's a bad review. You know what? Leave a bad review. No. people care. Don't. (laughs) Guys. We didn't even talk about the most important thing. What? There was a simultaneous catch this week. There was. Uh, I always get a couple of texts whenever a simultaneous catch happens. It's always like, simultaneous catch. <laughs> That's cool. It is kind All of right. Cool. Well, I am ready to sign off, so say your stuff. That's all I have, guys. Enjoy week 10. God bless. <laughs>